Good morning. I'd like to invite everyone to stand to worship with us.
Sometimes we go through things in life, difficulties, difficult seasons, and it's hard for us to just say God is good. But we know that he is, amen? No matter what we experience on this life, no matter what it is that we go through, God is good. So let's start out with this chorus and let's sing it. You are good. You are good, good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, you're good. Shadow where I hide the ransom for my life. Oh, he is mine. 
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I will worship your The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I will worship your holy 
rich in love. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all of your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand Bless the Lord, sing it out. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I will worship Your holy name. Bless the Lord. strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then Good morning, Living Water. Good morning, Living Water. All right. Good to see all of you here today. I am excited about being here, and I hope that you're excited about being here. And more importantly, I hope you're excited about opening up God's Word today and seeing what God has for us. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, as we continue today in a series of messages that we've been in over the last several weeks, entitled, Follow the Leader. 
where we have taken uh, different leaders throughout Scripture and we've looked at their lives, we've looked at their leadership, and we're uh, trying to pull things out of their leadership that we can apply to our lives as we lead others. And I have to uh, confess this morning, as I've been going uh, through this study and some of the studies we've gone through uh, over the last several weeks, that at times it's been a little bit difficult because uh, even though we've preached many messages on these different leaders in different ways, this is the first time uh, since I've been preaching that uh, I've looked at these individuals and tried to pick out different ways that they lead and different styles of leadership, and I've really enjoyed it, but it has also been difficult in different ways. Uh, but I hope that you've enjoyed this series and hope that you have found some things that you can apply to your life as well. Today we're going to be looking at an individual by the name of Paul. And as we think about Paul and we think about leadership, we need to understand that leadership is simply being an influence in the lives of others. And we all are leaders in some way for somebody. We all have someone in our lives that we have influence over. And sometimes a leader has influence over someone in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had somebody in your life that you followed, somebody had an influence in your life and maybe you followed their lead, their direction in some way and you found out that was a mistake? Anybody? Uh, I'll ask you this question. I don't want you to answer it. How many of you have led somebody in a way that later you found out, man, I wish I wouldn't have led them in that way that was not right? It happens in our lives, and sometimes we follow people, sometimes they have an influence on us, and that influence is not the best influence. But hopefully as we've gone through this series, you've been able to find in each one of these leaders a positive influence in a way that you can lead others in a positive way or have influence in the lives of others in a positive way. And we've also taken these leaders, and uh, I love what Scripture does. It points out the good, but it also reminds us of the bad that they had in their life. And we can learn through both. And today, we're going to see some of that in the life of Paul as well. Paul was one of the greatest influencers that we see in Scripture other than Jesus Christ. Paul uh, was a man who was a dynamic figure in the early church in planting the faith across Europe and Asia. Paul was responsible for starting 14 churches that we are aware of in the region of Macedonia. And today, in that same region of Macedonia, where Paul worked, where Paul ministered, where Paul started these churches, there are approximately 2,000 churches in that area. He started 14 that we know of, but today there's almost 2,000. That's pretty significant influence in that area, would you agree? And not only in that area, but when you look at the churches that are meeting around the world today, the churches that are going strong in our world today, and look back at how many of those began because of the influence that started 2,000 years ago with the ministry of Paul, I think it is safe to say that Paul not only had influence in his world where he lived in his day, but he still has influence around the world today. Paul influenced many lives. Paul influenced many different men, and you think about the disciples and the influence that Paul had on the disciples in his day. But you also think about uh, 
names such as Timothy and Titus, just a couple that we know of that Paul had great influence on, and they in turn had great influence on other people in their lives because of how Paul influenced their life. And as I was preparing and I was thinking about that and thinking about Paul's influence that he has had and how that influence has carried on for 2,000 years, that is very impressive to me. And I wonder in my own life how far my influence in someone else's life will carry on. Have you ever thought about that? The influence that you have in your life probably won't stop when you die. That influence will continue on for how long? Who knows? But it will continue on. So our influence in the lives of others is very, very important. So as we look at the life of Paul today, let's take a a few moments and just get to know Paul a little bit better. Who is this man, Paul? Well, Paul was first known in Scripture as Saul of Tarsus. Now, Saul of Tarsus was a man who was very knowledgeable in biblical studies and in the law. Saul considered himself to be zealous for God and a Pharisee. And casting... As he was doing that, he was building his life, he was building his influence, not in a positive way, but really in a negative way. Although Saul was a tent maker by trade, he had become the Sanhedrin's persecuting attorney. Paul thought Jesus Christ was a false messiah. And he would go around the world arresting followers of Christ and casting his vote for their execution. It is believed that Saul was at the stoning of the first martyr of the faith, a man by the name of Stephen. He was probably there cheering the others on. He was probably there casting his vote, saying that Stephen should die because he is out teaching a false message of Christ. Saul was very eager to see those followers of Christ be stopped. Because he thought Christ was a false Messiah. Now Saul was on his way to Damascus. And Saul had a life-changing encounter. A life-changing encounter that would, would really rock his world. He's on his way to Damascus to find followers of Christ. And to bring them back to Jerusalem as prisoners. Yet while he was on his way, something incredible happened. There was a bright light that blinded him. And when the light blinded him, he heard a voice from heaven that said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, well, who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus Christ, the one you persecute. Can you imagine this experience that Saul had? He, he thought that Christ was the false Messiah. He gave everything he had. He was going after all these followers of Christ with everything in his being so that he could stop this movement. And now all of a sudden, he, there's a bright light and the voice is this one that he thought was the false Messiah saying, Saul, why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting me? And you can also almost picture him on the road that day as as he is baffled by what is going on and how his life was being changed at that moment. The voice told Saul, said, get up and go on into the city. And Saul is blinded by the light. He made his way into Damascus as Jesus had told him to. Now while in Damascus there was a man by the name of Ananias. 
God spoke to Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go and meet this man, Saul. Saul, Ananias was a strong follower of the faith. And he responded like every strong follower of the faith should respond. And he said, "Uh uh-uh. Jesus, the Lord, is saying, go. Go see Saul. And Ananias is like, not me. You got the wrong guy. You see, I know about this man named Saul. I know what he does to Christians. I know how he is out here arresting followers of Christ so that they can be tried and they can be uh, killed for their faith. And you want me to go and see this man? I don't think so. But the Lord tells him, said, no, you need to go. Because I have something special that I'm doing in the life of Saul. So Ananias goes, by the way, that's Dave's version. You can go back and read the story in Acts chapter 9. And, but uh, kind of filled in between the lines there a little bit with Ananias. But Ananias was worried about going to Saul because he knew of Saul's history and Saul's story. But he goes because the Lord told him to go. And he goes and he lays his hand on Saul. And he says, Saul, I'm here. The Lord has sent me. Now this is such an amazing story to me. Because just a few minutes ago, he was reminded of who Saul was. And you can almost picture the fear that he has in his life. But yet he goes, he's obedient. And he says, Saul, I'm here because the Lord has sent me. And Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 9 that at that moment the the scales fall off of Saul's eyes and he is able to see. It goes on to tell us that that day Saul was baptized. He became a follower of Christ. And not did he just become a follower of Christ, but he began immediately going around telling the world how they could be a follower of Christ as well and the importance of a relationship with Christ. His life was drastically changed. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God got a hold of that man named Saul on that Damascus road that day. I'm so glad that God saw Saul and didn't see Saul for who he was, but saw Saul for who he was going to be and how God was going to be able to use him in his life. And Saul became a great witness for God. What a wonderful transformation in this man's life. A man that passionately believed that Jesus Christ was the false Messiah and had made it his life's mission to stop the movement of Christ, had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ and was radically changed forever. Now Saul's name uh, was not changed to Paul at that moment like a lot of people think that it was, but Paul is the Greek name for Saul and Saul was ministering to Greek-speaking Jews and Gentiles and he became known by his Greek name Paul and that is how we know him today. Now, when we think of the life of Paul and the things that we can learn about his leadership, there are many different areas that we could look at. We could look at uh, Paul and we say, Paul, you could teach us a lot on leadership, on how to lead while facing the storms of life. Paul was involved in three different shipwrecks. Paul faced some different storms in his life. I think he would have a lot to say to us on leadership when we're facing storms in life. But we could also look at at Paul's life and say, Paul, you have a lot that you could teach us on leadership while in a prison. Paul was in prison a lot in his life because of his faith and his teaching in Christ. And he would have a lot to teach us in that area. 
We could also look at Paul and say, Paul, you have a lot that you can teach us on leadership when it comes to running for your life. Anybody been running for their life lately? Sometimes we feel like that the people are out to get us, right? That, man, the world is just coming in on me and, and we feel like we're running for our lives at times. And Paul could have, teach us a lot in that area because many times he was running for his life, really, because he felt like, and didn't just feel like, people were out to get him because they didn't like the message that he was sharing. But I think one of the best lessons that we can learn from Paul is how to lead with passion. How to lead with passion. Because everything that we see in Paul's life, he had a passion behind it. And so he's got a lot to teach us today on this area of leading with passion. So let me ask you another question this morning. What is it in your life that you are most passionate about? If you were to have to write down right now in my life, I am most passionate about blank, what would that blank be? What is it in your life that you're most passionate about today? And then I want to ask you a second question that goes along with that. If the people around you that know you best were to say that you were passionate about something, what would they say that it is? You see, I've realized in my life that it doesn't take long of being around someone to figure out what it is in their life that they are passionate about. How many of you have ever been around a person who is very passionate about sports? Anybody? It doesn't take very long to figure out that they are very passionate about sports, right? Not that that's a bad thing, but it always seems like I'm around those people that are very passionate about sports, but they're passionate about the wrong stinking team. You know what I mean? And you got to sit there and listen to them. They're passionate about it. They won't shut up. They keep going and go. It's their passion. It doesn't take long of being around somebody you can figure out what they're passionate about. Matter of fact, if you are around Shane very long, you will find out that he is passionate about Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is his physician of choice. And you can ride with him. If you're in a car with him, it won't be long. You'll pass a toot and totem, and I promise you, you will stop and get a Dr. Pepper five or six times a day or more, right? He's passionate about Dr. Pepper. He's also passionate about OU, but we just kind of ignore that part. Uh, I, I mentioned that to the early service and Shane came up to me afterwards in tears and said, I'm also passionate about people. So, so I, I will say he's also passionate about people, right? We know that. You can tell what he's passionate about. And the people that you're close to in your life, you can tell what they are passionate about. Some are passionate about their jobs and their hobbies. Some are passionate about their families or other relationships. There are many things in our lives that we are passionate about. But when you look at the life of Paul, you will find a man that is passionate about following Christ and helping others to know Christ in the exact same way that he does. That was his passion. That is what drove him in his life. And that's what we're going to see in Philippians chapter 3. So, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. He says, watch out for the dogs, watch out for evil workers, watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, 
of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as done, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Now we're going to stop there in a moment. We'll look at some of the other verses that follow here in just a few minutes. But as we look at the life of Paul and we look at what he is saying in this passage, we can see Paul's passion. And his passion is knowing Christ. As he says in verse 10, my goal is to know him. My goal is to know Christ and not just know him, but to know all about him. I want to know as much about Christ as I possibly can. And that was his passion in life. And that passion was contagious to those that are around him, those that know him. So the first thing I want you to see this morning is that passionate leaders are driven by what they believe. Passionate leaders are driven by what they believe. Paul is passionate about what he knows, about what he believes in his life. And that is true in good leaders and bad leaders alike. Passionate leaders are driven by what they believe for right or for wrong. Listen, just because you believe something and just because you are passionate about something doesn't make that something true and right. That's something we need to remember in our lives that you can be passionate about anything you want to be passionate about. You can believe anything that you want to believe, but just because you're passionate about it and just because you believe it doesn't make it the truth. But what is true is the things that we find through God, the things that we find through his word. And those are the things that we need to be passionate about in our lives. So in order for us to understand this a little bit better this morning, I want us to think about leadership in two different ways. The first we will call the self-seeking leader. Now the self-seeking leader is one that leads or influences others by their personal beliefs and ideas. And sometimes their personal beliefs and ideas, even though they may not be bad, those beliefs and ideas are filtered through their own understanding, their own thoughts, Things that they have been taught, things that uh, the way they think things ought to be, they're filtered through their own self and not through God's Word in Christ. But the second is the Christ-seeking leader. And this is the person who filters their beliefs and ideas through Christ and the Scriptures. Now there's a problem with the self-seeking leader. And the problem is this, they are headed towards destruction. We see this down in verses 18 and 19. Jump down there with me if you would. He says, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused 
on earthly things. So the self-seeking leader would be focused on the things that they can gain in this world, the things that they can gain on this earth, and all those things will only lead to destruction. That is why Paul says that we don't need to boast in the flesh. We don't need to have confidence in the flesh. And he goes on and he says, if anybody has reason to boast in the flesh or have confidence in the flesh, it is me. And he gives us a whole list of reasons why he should have confidence in the flesh. But what Paul realized in his life is that having confidence in the flesh, even though he was passionate about it, even though he believed it with his whole heart, he was wrong in what he believed. And he was headed to destruction because of that. But what changed in his life? Well, what changed in his life was the encounter that he had with Christ on that road to Damascus. It was then that his eyes were opened and he was able to see the truth and able to understand the truth. So the problem with self-seeking leaders is that they're doing things for their own gain, for the temporary gains that you can get in this world, not focus on the things that are beyond this world. For example, you can focus on a lot of things in this world that are good, and you can focus on building a life for yourself and having success in your life. And let me just say this, there's nothing wrong with having success in your life. There's nothing wrong with working hard and being successful in your work. As a matter of fact, we should work hard and we should give our best in everything that we do. But for some people in their mind, that they have to have great success in this world while they're here. And they build their life for the things that they can gain in this world, not realizing that the things of this world are only temporary and they don't matter for eternity. And so they build for their family. They take care of their family. It is great to take care of your family. We should take care of our families. But when our only focus is building up the things of this world and looking at it in that way, then it is wrong in what we're doing. Let me say this. You can build up great wealth in your family. You can take care of your family better than anybody else in this world. But if you don't teach your family about Christ and what it means to have a relationship with Him, then everything that you've done is, as Paul said, it is a waste. It is dung. It does not matter because when this life is over, it is over. And a lot of people, that's where their focus is. And it's a self-centered focus. And I'm going to build my life for the here and now. I'm going to take care of things for the here and now. And they're not focused on the Christ-centered things. And Paul said, that's what's going to lead to destruction. There's another area for an example, and that is in the area of religion. There are a lot of people that are passionate about their religion. And they are convinced that in their religion, they have found a way to God. And for some, that's not a bad thing. I mean, some religions we look at and we go, yeah, everything that's being taught in that religion is right. But some religions you can look at and you can see right from the start that that is not truth, that is not right, and yet there's people that are still very passionate about that. That's why we hear people say, you know, really doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe it with your whole heart, as long as you're passionate about it, then, then you will find God. And I believe that that is one of the biggest lies from the enemy. That somehow we're going to find God in religion. Now don't get me wrong. Again, not all religion is bad. Some religion is good. But here's the thing about religion. Religion is just 
rules and ideas and regulations. Okay? It's how you should live your life within that religion. And some, that is, that is a very good way that we should consider on how to live our life. But there's a difference between religion and Christianity. And the difference is this. Religion is about rules and regulations, but Christianity is about a relationship. Paul understood this better than anybody. Paul was living out his religion. He says, uh, you want to know about my religion? Well, I'm a Pharisee. And a Pharisee knows the law. A Pharisee knows what it means to live the law. And as a Pharisee, he was teaching the law. And people needed to follow the law. And that's why he was missing out on who Christ was. That's why he thought Christ was the false Messiah. Because that was different than what he had learned in his religion. And what he had believed in his religion. And even though he was all in in his religion. And he was passionate about his religion. He was completely wrong. Because he was, fully, he was uh, living the life and following the rules and regulations of his religion, and he was missing the relationship. A lot of people follow religion, but miss the relationship. And that is a problem. That will lead to destruction in people's lives. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, addresses this in the 14th chapter of John, when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what he was saying? That religion is not going to get you there. But a relationship will. Religion won't get you to the Father. But a relationship with Jesus Christ will. Because he is the way to the Father. And by the way, he is the only way to the Father. There's not many ways. There is one way. And that is through Jesus Christ. And yet there's a lot of people that think because they are religion, religious because uh, they have all the right thoughts and all the right beliefs that somehow they are going to be able to live a good enough life and make their way to God. And let me just say this, there is no one that has ever made it to heaven or ever will make it to heaven because of religion. You guys weren't as quiet as the first crowd when I said that. Religion will get no one to heaven, but a relationship will. And that relationship is with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul figured out on the road to Damascus. That's what Paul understood, and that's why he's saying in this passage, uh, you want to count on the things of the flesh? You want confidence of the flesh? I have all that. I have every reason to have confidence in the flesh, but guess what? I figured out that none of that matters, that I count every bit of that as lost in order to know Jesus Christ. He's saying that that doesn't matter. Religion's not what's important, but my relationship with Christ is what's important. And that's what he wanted everyone that could hear his voice to understand. And he said, this is what I'm seeking after. This is what I am going after. The self-seeking leadership leads to destruction, but Christ-seeking leadership leads to a great reward. And he talks about this in verse 10 and 11. He said, my goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the following of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. 
Now, there's a lot of stuff that we could unpack in those two verses, but here's what I want you to get. He was going for the goal. He was going for the prize. He was going for the reward of knowing Christ, and the reward was heaven. The reward is that someday when this life is over, I'm going to be in heaven with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he goes on down in verse, beginning in verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. So He said, here's the prize of following Christ. It is heaven. And it's not just heaven. It's that one day when we are in heaven, we will be transformed to be like Christ. And that is what I'm striving for. That is what I'm going for. That is what I'm passionate about in my life. Because I know that the most important thing in life is knowing Christ. And the second most important thing is to make him known to others. And that was Paul's life. And that's Paul's example to us. And that is what he is passionate about. Passionate about knowing Christ. Passionate for others to know Christ as he knows Christ. Then I want you to see, secondly, that the passionate leader is always growing. I find the next verse very interesting when we think about the the life of Paul. Notice what he says in verse 12. He says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. What's the goal? The goal is to know Christ. And the goal is to be with Christ. And he says, I I haven't reached that goal yet. Now, the reason that this verse is very interesting to me is because at this stage in Paul's life, he has been following the Lord for over 30 years. And in those 30 years, he has experienced many different things as he has followed Christ. We read about uh, part of this in 2 Corinthians 11, where he says, five times I was beaten nearly to death. Why was he beaten nearly to death? Because he was teaching Christ, wanting others to know Christ the way that he knew Christ. He was three times beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. That's not to mention the times that he was in prison. He spent a lot of his life in prison. Chained to prison guards because of his relationship with Christ. Because he wouldn't stop teaching people about Christ. And even while he was chained to guards in prison and hanging out in the prison cells, he took the opportunity to make sure that those around him knew about Jesus Christ. That's what he was passionate about. That's what he wanted people to know. Now, at this point in his life, I could look at Paul and say, Paul, what do you mean you haven't arrived? I mean, look at what all you've done. Look at all, what all you've gone through. Look at how many lives have been changed because of your ministry. Look at what you have suffered for Christ. And for you to sit there and say, well, wait a second, I, I don't know it all yet. That, that just amazes me. He's like, this is my goal. And at this stage of my life, I look at him and say, certainly he's got it figured out. But he says, not yet. I haven't figured it out yet because... Paul realized something, that the Christian life is all about a journey. And in this journey, we continue to grow, and we continue to learn, and we continue to grow, and we continue to learn. 
And that continues on until the day that we take our final breath and we were with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. But many times in our Christian lives, we sit back and we go, I'm good. Man, I'm where I want to be in my Christian walk. I'm right where I need to be. I'm good. I'm just going to hang out right here for a while. And like Paul, he could say, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. I know everything that you need to know in your journey, and I can tell you everything you need to know. And we can sit back like him and say, you know what? I've been there. I've done that. I can tell you what you need to know. Just listen to me, and you'll be okay. Paul doesn't say just listen to me. He says, but listen, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to, to get to know Christ more and more in a personal way. And here's what you need to understand about this. Paul, when he's talking about knowing Christ more, Paul knows Christ as his Savior. That happened on the road to Damascus when his life was changed. Paul knows Christ as a Savior, but now he say, it's not enough to know Him as my Savior. I want to know Him as Lord. And to know Him as Lord, i got to continue to grow in Him. And He continues to reveal stuff to me every day as I look to Him. And I want to tell you, the same is true in our life. If we're looking to God, if we're eagerly seeking to know Him more, we want to know Him more as Lord in our life, He's not going to hide Himself from us. He's going to reveal Himself to us. And I'm always amazed anytime I open up God's Word and I study God's Word, if I'm really looking to know God more, God reveals something new to me every time. And I'm always amazed. I'm like, how did I not see that before? Anybody with me? It's just so amazing what God does and how we continue to grow in our relationship. You know what that means? That this side of heaven... We have not arrived yet. And we need to keep going. We need to keep growing. And we need to keep seeking God and seeking to know Him more and more in our lives. Then finally, passionate leaders are all in until the very end. Passionate leaders are all in until the very end. I want you to notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Again, what is the prize? It's heaven. The prize is when we get there and all things are made known to us and we are with our Lord and Savior for eternity. But until then, I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on until the, until the very end. And I want you to notice the word that he uses in verse 14. It is the word pursue. In some versions it says that he's going to press on. And the Greek word here is dioko, which means fervently chasing after. So Paul is saying that I am fervently Chasing after knowing Christ. I'm continuing on. Even up until my last breath, I'm going to fervently chase Christ. And you could also change out that word for passion. I am passionately chasing after Christ. I am striving after Christ. I'm chasing after Him with all that I have. Why? Because the important thing is that I know Him and know Him more. Now notice that he tells us how he's doing this. He says, here's how I'm doing it. I'm forgetting what is behind. 
Again, he goes through a list. I should have confidence in the flesh, or if I should have confidence in the flesh, here's the reason why. Here's all the things that I've done. Here's all the things that I have accomplished on my own. But he continues on, even on the, the things that he, that he experiences in his life. He says, I'm forgetting what is behind me because I'm focused on the goal that is before me. Have you ever noticed that if you're focused on what is behind you, you have a hard time seeing what is in front of you? Now, Paul uses this, kind of gives a description here of a runner. I don't know if you've been watching the Olympic Games or not, but I've been watching some of the Olympics, and over the last week, I've been watching the Olympic runners. And this just kind of stood out to me this week, maybe because I was studying this, but I noticed the runners, as they were coming out onto the track, they're introducing the runners, and the runners are coming up to their starting block. And even while they're still introducing other runners coming out, the runners that were at their starting block were very focused straight ahead down the track. They weren't worried about what anybody else around them was doing. They were focused on the goal at the end. And even when they got down into the starting block, they were focused straight down the track. And when the race begins, they are running and they are not looking behind them back at the starting block. They are focused on the goal that is ahead. And they're striving to win the prize, which in this case is a gold medal. And they are running after it with all that they had. Now, one of the races really amazed me. There was one of the runners that was way out ahead of everybody else in the pack. And he gets to the goal line. And this is what amazed me. He stretches out and puts his head down so that it goes across the goal line first. Now, I've seen runners do this when they're in a tight race. And they stretch out just so they can get that little extra bit ahead of the other runners and hopefully beat them out. But there was nobody else around him. Why would he do that? He didn't need to. But I realized he is so focused on the goal, he doesn't know what's around him. And he is stretching out to win. And that's the picture that we get from Paul. That I am pressing on. I am going after it with everything that I have. And you can almost see him like he's stretching out his body. He's getting close to the goal line. Stretching out, not worried about what else is around him. Not worried about who's in the stands. Not worried about the other runners. Not worried about anything but crossing that goal line and receiving the prize. Now I've also watched these Olympians as they get the gold medal or whatever medal they get and it's placed around their neck. What's the first thing they do? They, They grab it. And they look at it. I would do the exact same thing. I mean, it's pretty impressive metal that they're hanging around their neck. But can I tell you this? There's not any reward that we can gain this side of heaven that compares to what is waiting for us. And that's what Paul was focused on. He's looking down the track. He's looking at that goal. And he says, that's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm chasing after. Why? Again, look at Paul. Paul, look what all you've done. Maybe a good time for you to just sit back and relax. No, I'm not going to. And he tells us why. And he says, I'm chasing after it because he chased after me. So you go back to the Damascus Road. And Paul is persecuting believers. He's trying to stop this movement. And yet the whole time, 
that he is fighting what Christ is doing. Christ was chasing after him. And in the same way, he chases after us. Listen, I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ today. But maybe you're like Paul. Maybe, maybe you're not buying all this. Maybe you're not believing it. But know this, that Christ loves you so much that he is chasing after you. He is pursuing you. And he wants a relationship with you. And he loves you. And today, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, look to him and give your life to him. Let's pray together. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today, I want you to think about where you're at in your relationship with God and think about what God wants you to see through this passage today. What does God want you to know about Him today? What is He saying to you? For those of you that may not know Him as your Lord and Savior, maybe today He's saying, look to me and give your life to me. The most important decision you can make And today our prayer is that you would just open up your heart to Him. Maybe you've been a believer for a long time. and Maybe you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you haven't been pursuing after Him in the way that you should. Maybe you haven't been passionately following Him. Maybe today, He's just saying, today's a good day to start. To passionately know me. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. God, I thank you for how your word challenges us, your word encourages us. God, I pray that today, as we ponder your words, that we would allow your words to speak to our hearts, and God, we would follow whatever it is that you're wanting us to do in our own personal lives. God, help us to see you today in the way that you want us to see you. God, I do pray for each person that's here, and if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that right now your spirit would just speak to their heart, that you would draw them unto yourself, and that today would be the day that their life has changed as they see you in a new way. God, I pray for every believer here, and God, wherever we're at in our walk of life, that God, we know that we have influence over someone. God, I pray that for each one of us, we would just have that desire in our heart to passionately pursue you, to chase after you, to know you more. God, we thank you that you are not far away, that you want us to know you, and that if we will seek after you, we will find you, and God, that you continually reveal yourself to us. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in us and in our lives. God, I pray that again today, you would just speak to our hearts and show us what you would have us to see and that we would be quick to respond to you in whatever way you lead us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.